Welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, a podcast in which we watch movies, talk about them, determine how scary is it. Yes, we do. My name is Anthony. And I'm Bree. And we're here. And it's been a while since we've been in the recording booth, our little room that we use as a podcast studio in our house. Um, how you doing, Bree? I've been better. I've been better. I so have I. We're not. <laughs> we're not doing well right now. No, no. You are a butt. Why? Because I was sick last weekend, <coughs> and you got me sick again, and I'm we're, so mad about it. We're both sick. Um, I'm so mad. <laughs> we both have colds. We're not feeling very well as of this recording. But man, our schedule is not looking fantastic for the next few weeks. So like, we got to pump it out. We got to get something out here. And we were initially going to watch um, a different movie than what today's podcast is. But um, in, in a mix of just wanting to get something out there, um, also wanting to do a classic since we haven't been able to do a classic since the rebranding of the podcast, um, we're here. And what movie are we doing today, Brie? Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. 1980. Friday the 13th. A classic. Uh, Brie loves the Friday the 13th franchise. Starting with movie number two. <laughs> I also... Okay, yeah. Let, we'll talk about it, but... But you got to watch movie number one. You have to watch movie number one because it's a classic and because it kickstarts the entire franchise and there's some stuff it does well. There's some stuff it doesn't do well. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it and all the minutiae and all the good stuff about it in a little bit. But um, why don't we start off by doing our little uh, little BSing session. So we're sick. <laughs> yeah, we went to Ikea today. Oh, just, just for reference um, or to co- provide a little bit of preface into what we're um, doing for today. If you hear us cough <laughs> off of the mic. Um, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And just ignore it. Or the sniffling, the... No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You just you just didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. Yeah. No, you didn't. So, yeah. Uh, how was your week? Oh, I was just talking about going to Ikea. Oh, sorry. We went to Ikea today because I want a new bed with storage. We got there. We picked the bed we wanted. We went to go grab it. And we got overwhelmed. So we left it in the aisle. And we a walked A million out. giant boxes that we have to bring. They're like seven foot long. It's like, there's no way I'm fitting this in the car. I was just There's like, no I really want a new bed, but I also like don't want to do anything. Well, the big thing was, are we going to be able to fit it in the car? And it ended up being like a, it ended up being like eight different pieces. No so way. There's no way. There's no way we're going to fit get... two seven foot boxes in the back of that car. We have a very big car because we want this bed and the bed. Like, we were going to get a white version of the bed, but the white version of the bed doesn't come with the headboard, and we kind of want the headboard. Right now, we're operating without a headboard, and I'm just using the wall as, like, the headboard, and I keep... How many times do I bang my head on the wall accidentally? (laughs) I want a headboard be... I want our bed to not be against a wall anymore. I want our bed to be in, like, in the middle of the room. Really? Okay, wait. You're going to have to lay out this plan for me, because I'm picturing it, and I'm saying we don't have a lot of room in in that room if the bed is like smack dab in the middle but we need it to be so that we could have the storage on both sides and they use both sides of the headboard because the whole headboard has storage on both are, sides. are you leaning the bed 
like the head of the bed against the wall, similar to how we first. Yes. Had, okay, I know what you're talking about now. I mean, the way it... you made it describe was that there was no wall surrounding the bed; it was just smack dab in the and middle then the, of the dresser room. would either be in front of the window or against that wall where the bed is. Okay. I can I can see what you're dealing. Simil- I, similar to how we initially I, had it. When yeah, we moved and we just have to figure house. out where the TV goes. Yes, um, we will have to figure that out. We'll have to lay out the plans before we actually jump on buying the bed frame, because we often do this thing where we jump into something without thinking about it. I, that's my preferred way of doing life. I prefer to just jump in and just like do stuff. Anthony's like, Mister, I gotta have a plan. I gotta, I gotta think everything through. Like, I'm like, I don't need to think anything through. I'm just gonna just go for it. You know what I mean? You go, girl. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, I I'm a planner. I'm a planner. Is I'm an anti planner. An anti planner. Yeah. Or an anti-planner, like you plan with the antis. I prefer not to um, plan anything. I prepare. I prefer for it all to be just chaos. But, okay, so I'm going to counter you with our wedding. That you were like... I, I actually was you when it came to the wedding, where I was just like, meh. That was could- our wedding, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, um, how how was the rest of your week? Good. He- hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's on her phone. I'm good. I mean, what are you doing? The rest of the week was good. I was trying to figure out where my my stuff if my stuff is where my stuff is coming. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I had a lot to do last weekend, so we couldn't record last weekend. I was at a, a Model United Nations conference with all of my students and my co-moderator for the club, and uh, it was a good time. I have, um, I, I, I am like always so impressed by the things that these kids do at the Model UN conferences, and I always look at it and I tell them all the time, like the things that you guys do, I would never be able to do when I was in high school. It's it's so intelligent and like quick on your feet thinking for Model UN. Like Bree, when um you you came to the conference a couple years ago and you saw it in action and like I was like you're gonna be impressed. By the These kids that you too see. smart. They're too they're getting too smart. They're getting too smart for uh for their own good. I heard this thing about how Gen Z is like. Gen Zers that are like over the age of twenty one are creating like these concoctions to drink that are is like a mixture of fruit punch, alcohol, and like electrolytes, like things that would give you electrolytes or like um liquid IV or something, and they put it into like a milk jug. Oh, I know what you're ca- I yeah. know what you're talking about. It's like Borg. It's called Borg. Or yeah, something. something like that, and like. They're banned. Uh, they're so they're, smart. They're it's banned so smart. on some campuses. Like you're not allowed to do it. It's so smart. You're curing your hangover before you get your hangover. <laughs> Whereas, like, we were talking, my friends and I, about the beatboxes, those like fruit punch alcoholic things that are like 11% alcohol. 
But like you get terribly, terribly hung over because the amount of sugar that's in there. So I'm like, man, if I can get like a sugar free beatbox or like if I could um, make whatever it is that these Gen Z 21 year olds are making, that would be great. Because then I wouldn't have a, uh, as bad of a hangover. I'm too morning. old. I'm too old to drink. I'm so old. We were. Were we just talking about this? Where was, um, I don't drink. I don't do nothing. I just go to bed at nine o'clock. Don't even touch me. Like don't even look at me even we're, sideways. We're um very much like homebodies recently. Where I just like to come home and lay on my couch. I told my students the other day. They're like um they were asking me what I did during my night and i was like i just sat on my couch and i watched guys grocery games for like three hours <laughs> and that's what i did i was like i'm already in mom mode you know what i mean like this is how i think i'd be like as a mom i think i sowed my oats a little bit when i was in college and i got it all out of my system like the that immediate year after college where uh I, we were just talking about this like remember when i wanted to live with my friends in the city and instead of moving in with you and like you were on board with it, but you got kind of weren't on board with okay, it. Okay, so you g- girlies know what I'm talking about. When you love, when you love a man, and he making a dumbass decision, but you love him anyway, and you, he's like, "I want to soak my oats before I move in with you," and you're you're contemplating just kicking his butt because you're like, "What the frick?" I remember complaining to my mom about it. I was like, "He wants to move in with his friends." For a year before he moves in with me. I'm like, isn't that the stupidest fucking thing you've ever heard? <laughs> but I decided against it ultimately. And I was like, I'll let him do whatever he wants to do. Nine months passed in between when we were talking about it towards when we actually started to have to look for a place. And in that nine months, I felt like I got it out of my system. You know, like I went to the bars. I, I did the whole going out almost every weekend shtick and now i don't feel like i need to do that anymore and i was like ready to settle that he wanted so bad to be a single man and then realized he was not a single man well not no not that i wanted to be a single man like i didn't want to go out and like like hookup culture is not not for me never was for me i've always been a relationship guy but i didn't think of it as that i thought of it as like i just want to like get drunk basically went immediately after college in a lot of ways when I got out of college I was like prepared for the real world and like prepared for my career but in some ways I'm now looking at it and was like no I wasn't coming out socially I was like still in college mode where it's like oh we're gonna go downtown to the bars and everything and that's what we did every weekend and then I got it out of my system my first year and now I'm just like I actually don't like going to the bars all that much anymore. I'm actually not a fan. How many phones did you lose? Two phones. I lost two phones in my day. In that year. (laughs) Actually, in a couple months from one another. One was an open bar in in the city and uh, lost that thing and uh, ended up getting it back. But second phone... Did not end up seeing that thing anymore. Same situation. It was an open bar at the same place. (laughs) And I haven't been back there. Thank God. Since, yeah. All right. I mean, you don't seem very talkative. I'm just like, I don't know what to talk about. My life has been so boring. I'm going on a trip next weekend, which is another reason why we have to get this 
podcast done. <clears throat> yeah, we got to get next week's in order as well. Going to North Carolina. Gonna go and do some stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know too much about North Carolina. I've never been. I've been there. I've been on Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina. My aunt used to live in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. But um, I'm going to go just doing some teacher shit there, as always. Always be doing teacher stuff. I know, and I get to go do teacher shit in May at, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I get to go to Coolio School over there. Yeah, you're you're going all around. You're like on a U.S. tour I right know. now. It's <laughs> like, cost me an arm and a leg. But the one in Georgia, they were reimbursing me for a flight and hotel. This one that I'm going to this next weekend, they are not reimbursing me for a flight and hotel. Just for the fee for the just conference. Just for the fee for the conference, which is like 500 bucks. So it was like good. Mm-hmm. And it cost about 500 bucks to like go. Yeah. In addition to that. Because I only pay, I only paid like three something for my flight ticket. But then I had to pay $100 towards the... We have a three-day hotel like like thing but the lucky for me i get to stay with like some girls um some other teachers we're sharing a room i'm on the pullout couch that's but that's the best place to be i was like they're sharing a king bed and i'm on the pullout couch yeah i wouldn't feel comfortable sharing a bed with people well they're front like they're yeah like, oh, friends. i know that but but like i think about me and kyle like when we went to a conference we went to the map conference together and we slept in the same bed mm-hmm. we also stayed in a room with her mom right right <laughs> it's interesting stuff um the world of of education i don't know i guess I know, sometimes make, sometimes it's boring no, and no they make it, us okay so we have to like do so much professional development like you're required, you're required by, like with your license by the by the state to do a specific amount of like professional development but we need to pay for it. But we also need to pay to renew our license. I just, oh my god! The state, the state has been like hounding me for money since I finished my master's. It's like, not only do I have to pay to renew my license, I have to pay to get my endorsement on my, uh, my license. I have to pay to get my master's on my license. Like, it it, it ends up being I had to pay for the test for the endorsement ends up being so much and it's like god they gouge you for every little bit and it's like i don't make a lot as it is i was like i don't even make no money what are you tra- <laughs> you trying to take my money i don't even got any take the, all this money i don't make i was like you're talking to the person who literally cried tears because i lost my um badge for my school that opened the door and it was like 40 dollars to replace and i was crying about it because i was like i don't even have 40 dollars <laughs> yeah yeah i was like i don't even have 40 dollars to like pay for this I found it, by the way. One of my students had it in their backpack. Which, no, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, okay. you, you said there was no punishment. He stole it. <laughs> <laughs> you talked to me about this, like, last couple days I don't ago. Know, and I like, don't know if he... The kid totally stole it. I don't know if he stole it or he mm, found it. He stole it. Or if it, I dropped it in there. Like, there's all three possibilities. Did he say how long he had it for? It was only gone a day. Well, two days. So he stole it. It was... No, because I lost it. I lost it. I think it might it might have fell into his backpack. Because uh, yeah. here, no, my student has a arm brace on. Okay. So I have to help him put his stuff in his backpack. I was like, could have fell in there. 
You're you're giving a lot of benefit of the doubt here. He's a good kid. That's why. Oh, my God. I had to deal with same kid. Three different instances of him just like being the, the littlest snowflake that ever snowflaked. He's just like, these people don't want to talk to me. Like, okay. I talk to them. Stop. Cut it out. Then now they're being bossy. I'm like, cut it out. And I move him, move his seat so he's not by them. And then he's upset because one kid, he's partners with one kid and they only need one computer and he wants to use his computer and the other kid wants to use his computer and I'm use their computer. And I'm like, just choose a computer. It doesn't matter. But there's a social like um, structure to it. I remember when I was in like computer class in grade school and just use one of the computer. It doesn't have to be yours. It could be. But the you want to sit by your friends. No, he was sitting with his friend. I said, pick one computer and play the game. It was a partner game. I was like, you don't need both computers to play the partner game. And they both wanted to keep use their own computer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, one of you freaking no. I was like, I'm going to freaking. I was like, I was talking to my student teacher and I'm like, I was like, sometimes you just got to diffuse the situation. I was like. I'm like a conflict resolution specialist in this freaking first grade classroom. Well, you kind of have to be when you're a teacher I'm in like, a lot oh, of ways. Yeah. You have to be. I'm, and I'm I'm looking at this kid and I'm like, hun, it really ain't that deep. Mm-hmm. Chill. Uh, I got a new kid in my class, too. That was rough. Yeah. I've been having like an existential crisis for the past like two weeks about AI infiltrating our educational system it's been rough out here brie all these kids using ai to write their papers for them and then like i find out about it because they're not smart about covering it up and it's like well my boss put it in a good way he said when a kid has a history of giving you a painting of stick figures for the entire year and then all of a sudden comes with the Mona Lisa. Like, you know something's up. And I was like, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, right? Um, But then uh, one of the teachers at the school led me to the anti-AI. Where, like... Oh, you're you're giving away your secrets to all the children. No, they know about the anti-AI. I've told them about it. I was like... I'm just going to put your stuff into the anti-AI and it's going to catch it. Even if you make little changes here and there, it can still pick it up. And I've already caught people on it. Really? You've already I've caught, caught people with the anti-AI. Yeah. Uh-huh. Already? Mm-hmm. You like literally mm-hmm. just found out about it like a week ago. <laughs> and I had a conversation with all of my classes about it and they continued to do it. So I was like, I literally told you that I found the anti-AI. Why are you trying still? Yeah. Jabronis. Jabronis. Made a dog out of tape. <laughs> yeah. She's been sitting here taking blue painter's tape and like making designs on her notepad. I mean, it's a doggy. Tape. The AI thing is like interesting though, because why would anybody make it? Like I, I told my students, I'm like, it's that Jurassic Park quote that Malcolm says. It's like you, you spend so much time thinking about can we do it, but not enough time thinking about should we do it. I was like, all these AI developers, you know, I think you guys need to take a step back and reflect on well, Should it, we do it? Is this thing gonna be beneficial for society as a whole or 
is it something we're doing just because it's fun to do with and you're not thinking about the repercussions of it something like chat gpt is supposed to be like an informational tool you're supposed to put it in and maybe have a conversation about it and it learns but now it's being used for malicious purposes in the realm of education. People are using college kids are using it to write their term papers. Like high schoolers are using it to write essays. Um, and it's like the way I present my guidelines for my students is it's very specific. So if I give them a DBQ packet, it's like you, the information's got to come from the packet. It can't come from offline. So I know when they're plagiarizing or when they're using the AI or something, but. Um, yeah, it's it's becoming like quite the issue. And I felt like for the past couple of weeks, you know, one of the teachers in my division came up to me. She's like, are you doing this AI thing? Are you aware of this? And I was like, no, what's going on? She tells me everything. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Started doing a little bit of research on it. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is like a big problem. And so I talked to another teacher and he was like, yeah, I heard about it. And he's like we're not taking it seriously enough. He's like, it's not going to, it's not too much of a problem now. You're down the line. It's going to be a big issue. And I felt like the more people I talked to, the more people were like laughing me off a bit about it and was like, Oh yeah, you know, the AI thing is, it is an issue, but there's not much we can do about it. And it's like, I've been telling people in my division, like we need to be proactive about this because if we, if we stop it now, and we are proactive now, it, it ends up becoming a non-issue later on. And I'm very happy that we have been a little bit more proactive about it. Like it, it's been in conversation more in the past couple of days where um, now that the one teacher who actually told me about the chat GPT and everything, she was the one who showed me the anti-AI. And that's been like a godsend. It's so efficient and it, it's... It's so good at what it does. Thanks, Princeton. Thanks, <laughs> Thank nerds you. at Princeton. Thank you for creating the worst thing, but then also creating I the told, best thing. I told another one of the teachers, I'm like, for every evil that gets put out into the world, there's always a necessary good that comes along with it. Like, you can't have one without Sir, the Sure, we'll give you the AI, <clears throat> but then we're also going to give you the anti-AI so that now... So, But the same people who developed ChatGPT developed the anti-AI, and it was like, well... We gotta be you able- felt the need to create an anti-AI that detects so when you the AI knew- is being used. So why did you make the first thing In initially, first- <laughs> you know? It's like, is it getting to... It's like the internet. The internet was made initially to be a tool that scientists could use to share data. And now it's like horrible. <laughs> and now we use it to put podcasts on the internet and... Make that available. Everyone and their grandma has a podcast now. Hi, I'm everyone. (coughs) And my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump on in because the conversation's dying down and my nose is getting worse and so is my Oh, yeah, we're going to be... I think this is going to be kind of a shorter one because we're not feeling great. I've been kind of quiet because I have a headache and like the headache is just radiating. So we watched Friday the 13th. Did you know Jason's not in this one? Yes. No, I'm kidding, Brie. <laughs> I thought the entire time I was going to see oh, the hockey mask before, and the freaking hockey before mask. Before we even get into it, yesterday <laughs> we went out to dinner for Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about it. Le- yesterday we went <clears throat> out to dinner to Valentine's Day. We went to Wildfire. 
Love Wild. It's a restaurant that's in like the suburbs of Really, Illinois. it's like kind of, it's nicer than an Olive Garden. It's like a higher end uh, Olive Garden. I would be like, okay, you know, you got your Olive Gardens and your uh, like, maybe it's like on the same level as Maggiano's, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's like. I mean, is Maggiano's a nationwide thing? Are people going to know what Maggiano's it's is? It's an Italian restaurant, like, like a little fancy Italian like a Biagi's. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nicer. <sighs> Than an olive, it's a nicer Olive Garden, like more high class. Yes. Anyway, so we go and we're looking forward to. We want to try the Wellington because we they had a Wellington. It's a night because it's a special we went, on Fridays. We went to Vegas last year. We got the Wellington at a Hell's Kitchen in Vegas. It was delicious. So we're like, oh, they have a Wellington. Let's get a Wellington. So it's like fifty bucks. We each get our own Wellington. It's pretty much the whole reason we went to this oh, place. Okay, I gotta tell you. It was not good. <laughs> the sauce that they put, I told Bree this. I said it. I said the only way I can describe the sauce is that it's offensive to my palate. I said it's a. I said <laughs> that was the most egregious crime. It was way too sweet. It was so sweet. Like the whole dish was so sweet. Also, I don't think they seared or the okay, steak before so they put I listened, it in the puff pastry. I listened to the waiter that was behind us describe how they cook the Wellington. He's like, well, because the puff pastry cooks faster you need to cook the meat and the puff pastry at the same time so it's going to come out he the waiter said medium rare that that shit was not medium rare. Was that was like, like mooing yeah it was bleeding i, was, on my I plate. told him i was like this is kind of like and, raw. and so i listened to this guy say that and like i had just watched a video of somebody making a beef wellington and i don't know i'm no chef but and and anybody who is prominent with food like maybe listening to this kill me if i'm wrong but the way that you make a beef wellington is that you kind of have to cook the meat a little bit first in the oven after you sear it and then put in the mushroom wrap and then put in the puff pastry so that the meat is already kind of cooked by the time the puff pastry goes on and then it goes back in the oven and then you can cook it longer so that it ends up becoming rare or medium rare well, and it's not raw. Well, I just felt like they didn't put like any salt or pepper on it before they mm-hmm. put it inside the puff pastry and i was like anthony like it has a no freaking flavor like it's flavorless the flavor is meat i just it felt like a boil mm. it felt like boiled meat like that's what it tasted like to me it was it was tough when it came with au gratin potatoes and broccolini and the and broccolini was so freaking good it, i told brie this in the ride home i'm like it's tough when like the wellington was the worst thing on the plate i know because the <clears throat> sauce was just so egregious Mm-hmm. Like that's and it wasn't. I didn't think like I ate it, and I was like, oh, was like, "This is all right." So gross. But now, like, I'm looking back at it, I'm like, "I, I think I just enjoy- ate raw meat." I was like, "I didn't enjoy <laughs> that at all." You know, the best thing I had the besides besides the broccolini, the cherry pie, the cherry pie. Oh my god, this Door County cherry pie, <gasps> so good, mm-hmm. so good. Um, I I was like, mm, I should have got my sh- normal coconut shrimps. I love my coconut. But shrimps. I think that, and I told you this at dinner that. I think we were spoiled by going to Hell's Kitchen and our first experience with the Beef Wellington was that was the best Beef Wellington. It, it, it doesn't get better than that, I don't think. So now that's the expectation for everybody. I know, and I didn't like this one. And I was like, I don't want to make Anthony feel bad because he was because he apologized in the car. He's like, I he's like, I'm sorry that you didn't like it. I'm sorry that it didn't, I, I'm like. You took me out to dinner. You spent like over a hundred dollars on me. 
don't be sorry. I was like, it wasn't your fault that it wasn't cooked good and the sauce was I should have known something would go wrong by the minute that we got to the table and they put the bread down and Bree's like, this is all the bread? Immediately starts complaining (laughs) like Larry David. Oh my God. So, okay. So wildfire has kind of gone downhill they used to put like several different varieties of bread they have this delicious i like that chocolate bread that cheesecake factory they have like they usually do like a white bread roll the onion roll like they had and then they do like a um cornbread i'm like where i i believe the first thing that came out of my mouth was where's the fucking cornbread that is the first thing yep word for word where's the fucking and then i said because i've been watching a lot of curb your enthusiasm lately and i'm like you're just like larry david right now like that's something that larry david would say immediately upon going to this nice restaurant and getting your meal paid for you you're like where's the bread (laughs) and then i had the onion roll i had one and i was like i don't even like this and then i didn't even like my dinner and i was like you know what i'm gonna go home I'm going to eat a brownie and some chips. Yep. That's that's what what I did. That's what we did. And we watched One Piece. Yep. Yep. And got more and more sick. Yeah, I feel like worse considerably than I have in the past couple of days. And I feel like I'm in like the middle of the cold. I could really kill you for giving this to me. I could really kill you. Not my fault. I I told you that I was getting sick and I said, take the precautions you believe that are necessary. (laughs) <laughs> and you did not. Meanwhile, when you were sick the other week, I willingly slept on the couch and kept my distance so that I wouldn't get the flu as you did. And I did not get the flu. I got a completely separate cold that I'm pretty sure I caught at the MUN conference. Probably. Last week. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, why don't we get down to it, Bree? Yes, of course. So we did watch um, Friday the 13th. This is a the kickoff of the series where we do not actually have Jason Voorhees in this movie. We do not know the killer until we get to like the end of the movie. It's more a mystery than anything else. It's similar to like <clears throat> how scream is like a slasher, but also like a mystery. Um, I got to be honest with you, Brie. I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Because I think the the turnoff of the first Friday the 13th is the fact that Jason isn't in it. And we're so conditioned to Jason. And we love the Jason. Um, To which, at the end of the movie, when Betsy Palmer's Pamela Voorhees says, and his name was Jason. And what did I say, Brie? I don't remember. Jason Derulo. Oh, yes. (laughs) His name was Jason. Jason, Jason <laughs> um, no, I think the big turnoff is that a lot of people might not like this one because Jason's not in it, and a lot of people don't realize that Jason's not in it. Um, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I asked you, do you remember when you first saw this movie? You do not remember. I do not. I don't remember when I first saw it, but I do remember like my grandparents on my dad's side, they always had like the classic horror movies on VHS. And I remember the Friday the 13th was always like lingering around. I always remember. My grandpa used to always have horror movies on like in his bedroom TV. I think I may have seen it. You know how um, some like TV stations used to do a bunch of horror movies. Like, yeah, like AMC or like something. Doing, during Halloween. <laughs> I probably watched it in the basement mm-hmm. like 
went unsupervised while I was just like hanging that was out. The best. Like, okay, so I get really nostalgic about like my childhood and, and when it comes to like sneaking around and watching horror movies because I did that quite often. And it was like, I definitely was not old enough to have been watching those movies, but for some reason I remember just like putting on amc or something and just like watching halloween six or watching halloween four i I remember sneaking around a little bit i was like a good kid i think the biggest sneaking around i ever did was when i had my boyfriend over without permission Mm -hmm. yeah my my parents were always really cool about letting me watch horror movies as long as like they were there with me watching it it was like supervised um and then when I got a little older and I started to see myself as a little aficionado of horror movies, I started to really get into it and I started to binge franchises and Friday the 13th was one of them that I binged. Um, favorite Friday the 13th movie? Do you have one mm. that you remember? Because we haven't watched the series in a long time. I don't remember which one is my favorite. But... I love Jason Lives Part 6. Because I feel like it's the the only one in the franchise where they started to get a little tongue-in-cheek with it. And they started not to take themselves as seriously. Because essentially what happens is they make the same movie four times in a row. <coughs> I don't remember part two as much. But I remember part three and I remember part four. And I remember us watching them together. And I was like, this is the same movie. <laughs> like they made the same movie. They didn't change anything. And I think where a lot of where Friday the 13th gets a lot of like criticism and flack is that if you really like think about these movies, there is no story. There's no story. There's no plot or anything. There's no like motivation for the characters at all. Like I guess Pamela Voorhees is like the only one that has like somewhat of a motivation to do anything other than open up the camp. But they do the same thing for the first four movies. It's all about them just trying to open up a camp. Like, and you give a revolving door of counselors. After the first time, it's like, why do we keep trying to open this camp? I know people keep dying. <laughs> Stop trying to open the oh, camp. Ma'am, maybe I should not open it. I could get opening it again after the first one. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Because like, that, that was, was a like fluke. Because that was like a crazy lady. And she's dead. Uh, yeah. And then she she's dead. But to open it again, and now there's like a supernatural crazy man. Well, he doesn't become supernatural until part six. But... Still, he survived the drowning. He was always supernatural. He survives the drowning. He survives. I forget how he, quote unquote, dies in part two, but then he gets a machete to the head in part three. Part four, Tommy Jarvis whacks him with the machete a bunch of times in the head, and then he's reanimated in part six. I know too much. It's crazy bullshit about this franchise. They made the same movie four times. Um, I'm a little bit more critical with the Friday the 13th movies than I am of other horror franchises because I just feel like um, while they're enjoyable and they're like fun to watch, if it's just, they're just popcorn movies, they really like they lack a lot of um, creativity, <coughs> I think. Everyone's a critic. Sean Cunningham directs this movie. Victor Miller writes the movie. And essentially Cunningham, who I think worked in softcore porn for a little bit, comes and gets the financing for this movie based on 
the title and the opening where the title slams and breaks the glass. He showed that to producers and they were like, okay, we're going to fund your movie. He didn't even have a script written. There's nothing. There's no story. There was nothing. So Victor Miller comes in, writes this BS script about camp counselors trying to open up a camp and getting killed. It's very little story. We, I don't even know any of the characters' names aside from Alice. Um, but that one, was a criticism like we had of one name. Bill. Uh, I know Bill. It's like there's one name, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. yeah, he's Kevin'd his last bacon. I know. Um. So, where the Friday the Thirteenth franchise like tends not to get better is that you don't have characters that you're actively rooting for. You're, so, so you end up rooting for the killer. You we end talked, up rooting for Jason. That's we like, talked about. We've this. talked about this. It's this. We end up. Like in these movies, because there's like the characters have no character, you don't care about them. Therefore, you end up rooting for the bad guy. And like, that's not a good movie if you're rooting for the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. They're enjoyable movies. Like, I'll sit down and I'll watch it. Fr- like, sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to watch like Friday the 13th movie just to, just so I have something to do. <laughs> or just because I can like, like turn my brain off and watch it. I'm not watching a Friday the 13th movie for like a nuanced, complex plot. You know, I'm not watching it for elevated horror or something or because it's creatively enticing. I'm watching it because I want to see Jason Voorhees like slaughter a bunch of people on camera. Stabby, stabby. Stabby, stabby. But that's kind of the mindset that um, Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller had in, in creating this movie where they got the funding without a script they write the script and then they say, we're going to capitalize off of John Carpenter's Halloween because that was a very simple movie and it made a ton of money. So we're going to try to do that, but in a lesser way where it's not as expensive and um, it's quicker to make. So it. Uh, what did I say? I said earlier, it's like boobs and blood. Yeah. That's all it is. Boobs and blood. This is no story. There's a very little, there's a loose mythos surrounding Jason. And it gets even looser as the franchise goes on. Where it's like, nobody explained how he survived the drowning. Nobody explained <coughs> why he was in the woods for so long. It's not very, ex- ex- uh, there's no explanation how he keeps coming back before part six. <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, But that's more of my commentary i guess on the franchise as a whole rather than this movie what do you think about this movie in, in totality it's a whole lot of nothing that's what i thought too i'm like this is boring so i was telling like <sighs> i have notes but like there's no plot here it's just like events happening character does this character does this but this the character doing this doesn't matter to the story the story or progressing something it's you know how we say like store so i told Bree this characters should drive <laughs> plot not uh plot, plot should not drive your characters james gunn comes out with this video about um what they're doing with the dc slate and i told Bree i'm gonna be a little shithead and i'm gonna disagree with him on one thing that he says because he said storyline is storytelling is king we're always gonna go to storytelling and i said I don't think story drives story, character drives story. If you're going to look back at the MCU and you're going to say, well, how did we get to Endgame? It's because of the decisions that the characters make along the way in like Civil War and in Age of Ultron. But 
characters supposed to drive the events of the story. I don't feel like in I I should not be nearly as high highly critical and like scrutin uh, heightened scrutiny on Friday the Thirteenth because it it's not a movie that's supposed to be taken in a very critical lens. Um, but you can see what Halloween does in that regard where what happens in the movie is driven by the decisions that the characters make. So it's by Lori not going out and partying, her babysitting, and her taking the cover for her friends that she ends up stumbling upon all of this stuff. Alice is the final girl in this movie, and nothing that she does <coughs> drives what no, happens. No, she's just, like, walking She around. just happens to be there and, like is is uh, around the camp. Yeah, cause the, <laughs> you know? so the movie starts off like... 1958. A, 1958, a couple like of counselors go off to kind of, you know, do it. They're and, doing it. And they, they're like, oh, someone's here. And they're like, oh, hi. And then they... I lo- okay, so I got to talk about like that technique that they do because it's kind of a mystery who the killer is. You're supposed to think it's Ralph, the like crazy guy in town, but it's a mystery and they never show the person, but they always have the killer in first person <coughs> perspective. And they always like stop and they're like, oh, hey, I didn't see you there. But they never say the character's name. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that was you. <laughs> so they get those two get killed, <laughs> get killed. Um but it's obvious that they knew who the killer, like they knew the person who the killer is. But I don't think that they did. No, the two kids. Oh, yeah. the two, oh, in the beginning. In the okay, beginning, yeah. yeah, they did know yeah, who the sorry. killer was. Um, then we go to present times, and we have the cook, the girl who's hired to be the cook. The yes, the new she's like Anne, she's hitchhiking. She's hitchhiking, Annie. and uh, she's the weird guy's like you're going to Camp Blood. Uh, it's got a death curse on the place, and she stops in the town, and we get this like exposition from some of the townspeople about like what happened. Two kids died; they never found who it was, but bad stuff starts to happen. They tried to reopen the camp again, and the water was bad. It's cursed. It's camp blood. <clears throat> and uh, I wrote down a couple of different things. So we have Ralph, who's in town. He's like the town. Uh, prophet he's like the doomsday guy and he's like it's a got a death curse and he's going all crazy and everything and then he rides his little his little bicycle away <laughs> which i thought was a funny decision to give him a little blue bicycle anyway and then she gets a ride from another townsperson he drops her penis and he drops her off <laughs> in front of hope in New Jersey, the town is called Hope, and it's the cemetery, like, right there in the town. I didn't know this until not too long ago that I was talking to some of my students after hours, and uh, after school, they come to my room sometimes, and we chat, and we were talking about horror movies that take place in Illinois, and there's so many that take place in Illinois. Halloween takes place in Illinois. Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street is in a suburb in Illinois. 
But then they were like Friday the 13th and I was like, New Jersey. No, I'm not sure where Friday the 13th takes place. And then I looked it up and it's it's in New York, I think. I'm pretty sure it's in New York. Um, Everything said NJ on it. Really? Yes. I didn't notice that. I could have sworn it was New York because then in Jason Takes Manhattan, unless they just got confused along the way. We'll see. Nameless states. It's like Springfield in The Simpsons. So it could be Springfield in a bunch of different states. We would never know because it doesn't exist. <coughs> Damn. Coughing a lot. Um. Okay. Yeah. So Annie's getting a ride by uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. Crystal Lake, Cunningham County, New Jersey. Cunningham County, New Jersey. Previously Forest Green County and Wessex County. Interesting. Was it shot in New Jersey or does it take place in it New Jersey? It takes place in New Jersey. Camp, the fictional place is New Jersey. Okay. Okay. Um. So Annie gets a ride from Enos who is driving her in his truck and he keeps telling her to quit. And he's being like really aggressive with her. And she tells him, she says a line in there and I wanted to ask you if you knew what this meant. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to quit. You need to quit. And she says, well, you're an American original. What? And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Is it historically relevant? Say it again. She said, well, you're an American original. I don't know. That's it. That's the line. She says, you're an American original. And it's like in passing. And I was like, what does she mean by that? Is that an insult? Maybe. I have no clue what that means. But um, anyway, Brie, take it for us. Um, we uh, ha- are introduced to Kevin Bacon. This is Kevin Back Bacon home. before he saved the town of Beaumont. Um, and as soon as these counselors arrive, who I believe is Steve. Steve is the mustache Is, is guy. the guy who like is opening the camp. Um, that he puts them to work and he's doing doing a bunch of stuff. And they're kind of inquiring about when Anne, Annie's supposed to get there because she's supposed to be like this phenomenal cook that they hired. Um, then we have this weird like relationship between Alice and Steve. Oh, yeah, where it's like implied that they're having an affair or something. Yeah. Or that where, they're seeing each other. Where it's like she can choose to leave. Like she doesn't know if she wants to be there anymore. It was weird. That's and Steve is considerably older than her. Yes. Right. And then I was like, but it also seemed like she was having an affair with like that other guy that was more age appropriate. Bill, I think Bill, Bill right? Yeah. All these names blur together uh, after and a then while. We have one. Then we have another scene with two other counselors. Who, one counselor setting up like the bow and arrows. Like this one is rain. wild what happens and, here and then a guy like shoots an arrow at her as like a joke but then he's also wearing feathers in his hair and i was like that's offensive no and, so he and shoots, Anthony's he, like he shoots like right at her like he could have hit her and killed her he could have easily shot her in the chest or something but like okay let's break that scene down a minute and say like the complexities that go into being as on target as this guy was and he's playing this off as a joke <clears throat> i get he might be good with the bow but let's bear in mind anything could have made that arrow go slightly towards the left so 
he could have made a very grave error in playing a prank on this girl. This guy's lucky that that arrow didn't go into her shoulder or I know. her back. Because what if he messed up the, the shot? Or what if the wind took the arrow or something? Like, there could have been so many things at play that it's like, who in their right mind says, I'm going to play a joke on this girl by pretending to shoot her in the chest with an arrow? I know. And then that's not the only like thing that the counselors do. But then we get a, another cut to Annie and she's still hitchhiking and she gets picked up on like this blue Jeep. And we don't see who's driving it, mm-hmm. but it's first she's, person she view seems like the driver. She seems like she's um, just shooting the shit with this person, that she's comfortable with this person and they're driving her to the camp. And then like they go past the camp. She's like, I would like to get out now. And so she jumps out of the car as it's moving, she doesn't tuck, tuck and roll. So I thought she tucked and rolled. She did a front flip, not like a sideways tuck oh, and roll. Oh, okay, yeah. And so she hurt herself. So she's running away from this um, the the killer, and the killer gets her in the woods. It's the woods. Slices the throat. There's so many instances in this movie where the characters could easily run away. And they don't. And they don't. But, again, let's... Put it in perspective. This is not meant to be an expertly made movie. This is not meant to be an artsy fartsy film. So are criticisms justified? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, Gene Siskel, famed critic of Ebert and Siskel, hated this movie so 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 much siskel was never a big fan of horror movies in general gave bad reviews to movies like alien silence of the lambs even though those are like really well made horror movies um hated this movie so much that he called um sean cunningham the most despicable character in hollywood for making this movie and he published Betsy Palmer's, uh, who plays Mrs. Voorhees, uh, her address in a, a newspaper and encouraged people to write her negatively because of the movie. It ended up not being her real address, but I was like, what a fucking asshole right? <laughs> this guy is. Um, also, isn't that illegal? Yeah. And then crazy. <laughs> but then after she kills Annie, She's like watching the counselors from afar across the lake. And we get this scene where one of the counselors pretends to like drown just so he could like cop a feel on another counselor. And where? Oh, yeah. Ned. I th- That was Ned fakes drowning to make out with lifeguard is what I wrote. And I was like, gross. It's the same thing the kid did in the sandlot. It's like, stop pretending to drown. Just to get women classic to kiss, move, classic to move. You. Also, then, is that assault? Yes. Oh, okay. And then we get this weird scene with a snake <laughs> in the cabin, and then you ruin this movie this is for a, me. This is a weird scene. I think this is a very out of place scene in this movie. <coughs> they all freak out about a snake being in the cabin, and Alice sees the snake. She freaks out. She calls the other counselors. They freak out. They absolutely destroy the inside of this cabin to find the snake like they they tear apart the bed like they break the bed frame there's like feathers from the pillows flying everywhere they completely destroy the inside of this cabin to find the snake 
And then they chop the head off the snake. With and the, with the then machete. Anthony tells me like the saddest possible the story. The saddest IMDb trivia you'll that hear. That this was someone's pet snake. S- yeah. And so they, they, they killed the, they this killed, actual they snake killed, that they killed on camera. They killed this person's snake while they were sobbing. Yeah. It was somebody's the, snake. And the person, the, that's what the IMDb trivia said is that the person whose snake it was didn't know that they were going to actually kill it. And he was the like person sobbing, was sobbing in the background. The, like, the IMDb says the word sobbing. I there. would sue. I would be furious. I was like, this is. I, like- but from what I read, like the production on this movie, like wasn't great. It was shot on a very shoestring budget. Like I think it was shot on like a f- couple hundred thousand dollar budget. Um, conditions at the at the camp because they shot on location was not good. They only had like one working toilet. Um, they had to be there long hours and uh, they had to stay in hotels for like a majority of the filming because they couldn't stay on the camp. And uh, I, I have heard horror stories about the production of Friday the 13th before in different like podcasts that I've listened to about it. So that just goes along with. I just feel so bad for that person who's they, but they. Okay, so let's put it this way. In this era of like independent horror filmmaking, they often did a lot of really shady stuff in these productions. There's a story about how in the 70s when they were filming Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, I, the dude who played Leatherface, I think his name was Gunner, Gunner something, Gunner Hansen, I think. He, uh, they, they, did, they didn't let him wash the costume, the Leatherface costume. So they'd be out in the heat in texas filming for hours and people like people didn't want to be around him because he stunk so bad because they didn't let him wash the costume and it's like you that is like almost inhumane in a production screen actors guild wouldn't allow that at this this point in time but these independent productions of horror movies often did these really shady things to try to get by on their shoestring budget halloween I don't think I heard any stories about them doing like shady stuff, but there's stuff that they did where it was like, oh, we couldn't get pumpkins because we were filming in California in like the summer. So we got like any kind of weird gourd and spray painted them uh, orange. orange and then we like reused the leaves. So like we had our production people like pick up all the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I just I feel bad for the person whose <clears throat> snake that was. Yeah. And then we get like the weird guy from before he shows up at the camp. Well, there's a cop that comes and interviews them. And the cop is like stereotypical, like, what are you kids doing? You, you smoking the reefer? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you, are you smoking weed? You smoking the reefer? You down the devil's lettuce? And they're like, no, officer, no. No, we're just opening a camp. That's pretty much all they say. Yeah. I don't think they were actually doing anything wrong. You said, no, we're just trying to open up a camp, guy. Get out oh, of here. And then I put down macho guy talk. What, were, what did you? What did he oh say? God, macho guy talk. About, like, <coughs> I don't remember. I, don't, I, don't I remember, remember you was, saying macho was it guy. Like, was it like changing a light bulb? I was like, is that what was macho? Maybe Alice know. is up there on a ladder, like installing a gutter. Like, I'm <laughs> um, just like, like the women are doing manual labor in this movie and. It was like I don't I don't know what the macho part was like what I forget I didn't write down what it was about. No, I have no idea. I don't remember what you said. 
when we were watching it. I remember you saying, oh, what a macho thing to say, but I can't remember what the line was. And then I have a bunch of incoherent gobbledygook written down. What is your incoherent gobbledygook? It don't feel that good. It didn't, <laughs> we, didn't we all dust meat? Oh, just meat. Oh, okay. Now I remember. <coughs> then we get two counselors go off together. As they do. As they do. And she's moaning like so much. They're, they're, they're doing it. Yeah. It's um Kevin Bacon and other person other girl and she's making all these noise and i wrote girl it don't feel that good (laughs) and then and then (laughs) i wrote didn't you all just meet like literally that day no i think they all came into in a car together right oh maybe i was like i think they might have known (laughs) each other maybe and then we get the most like impossible death the of which one the axe no the girl gets axed but kevin bacon gets stabbed with an arrow through the bed it's like a classic death it's like a classic horror movie death but when you really look into it it's like they had to go through like multiple layers of there's not the the mattress the blankets and his body so that needed to be like the most jumbo arrow bacon's laying there on the bed and then the hands come out from under the bed and grab him by the throat and shove from under the bed and under the frame of the bed an arrow and it pierces through the other side of his throat, like the, the top side of his throat. And I was telling Bree when we watched this, I'm like, okay, there are so many different layers of things that this person has to go through to get that arrow where it needs to be. You got to get through the mattress, which is going to be hard enough. Then once you get through the mattress, you got to get through the spine. (laughs) And then when you get through the spine, you got to go through all the other layers of muscle and esophagus to get to the other side of the throat. It's impossible. There's no way. But it's also impossible to machete somebody's head off with one clean swipe. And we do that too. And they do that in this movie as well. So I don't know. Our Our suspension of disbelief has to be... Somebody brought this up on a. I can't remember what I was listening to, but that when you watch a horror movie, you have to be kind of like operating in an alternate reality where you just have to accept that these deaths are possible <laughs> in order to like suspend your disbelief. Because we're supposed to be as an audience under the assumption that these crazy slasher horror movies like operate in an alternate reality where that is possible for people to do. And we just have to be okay with it, that these crazy deaths are okay and and are, are doable, you know? Can, in Halloween 4, can Michael Myers stab somebody with a shotgun? No. A, a normal human being can't do that. But we accept it because it's a Halloween movie, you know? He has a crazy amount of strength. It's a Halloween movie. Same thing here. We have to accept these deaths. Yeah. Even though they're not realistic. Out it's an old lady. Like, <laughs> that's the most unbelievable part. I know that Betsy Palmer has the immense superhuman strength to be able to push through all of those layers and get that arrow into Kevin Bacon's neck from behind him. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't know. And then we. Ha- then I put the hunt um, because she gets the, the girl gets an axe to the head. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So the, then we have we're down two council, three counselors technically. With Annie. one goes into a house, a cabin, and we I think he gets killed off screen. I think another one gets killed off screen, right? A couple of them get killed. A couple off of screen. them do. And then we find we have another one. <laughs> um, Alice, uh, what was his name? Bill. I think. And Bill, then another girl are like playing strip monopoly. Oh, Bill plays Monopoly the way I play Monopoly, I noticed, where he hoards all of the yellows and the reds, and, like, that's the strategy. Well, they're playing Strip Monopoly, and then, like... How do you play Monopoly? What's your strategy? Um, I just play. No, you don't. You have a strategy. My strategy is to be aggressive. My stepdad, he once schooled us in Monopoly. No, I we think my, my thing is I buy all the railroads. I that used to be my strategy. My stepdad would buy all of the brown and like light blue areas and just build like hotels on hotels so that you would just get screwed on those very early properties. He's like you can take, you know, boardwalk or whatever and park place. Can take them and you can spend all your money on this stuff when nobody lands on those, but everybody lands on those early ones. And I was like, "Ooh, what a strategy in Monopoly!" To which I said, "We were playing Monopoly tonight." And I said, "Maybe." Um, so they're playing strip Monopoly, and one of the girls goes off, and she's just gonna like go and take, like, um, like she gets kind of. She gets killed off screen. It's um, like she gets killed. Co- girl, is this the girl that wear um, the raincoat? She so she hears like a child's voice yeah, outside she, the cabin, and she goes to investigate, and she gets killed off screen. The one that gets axed in the head, uh, Kevin Bacon's GF. Um, so I asked you this when we watched the movie. She's wearing like just her underwear. And, and I said, a gr- top, like a half he was, top. He's like, okay. Is that something that like, like girls do? Or is I that something it, that horror movies just put I in there said, for like, it's sexualization? Called, it's called Winnie the Pooh in it. Um, <laughs> you wear your underwear and you wear a t-shirt. And, and I was like, oh no, we don't really do that that often. And then I proceeded to Winnie the Pooh around our house later. In unintentionally. You did Unint- it unintentionally. Unintentionally Winnie the Poohing around. And you're like, so women do do that. <laughs> well, I was just curious because like in those 80s horror movies... I feel like I see that, put, that and I'll, attire And you so want to know why we do it? Because underwear <clears throat> covers all our lady bits on the bottom. But you, it's really hard to cover your lady bits on the top. So that's why we put the t-shirt on. Okay. So that's why we Winnie the Pooh it. Because you have the, <laughs> the underwear covers everything, but you need a t-shirt to cover everything on top. Do you guys also, when you Winnie the Pooh it, do you get stuck when you try to go through holes in oh, the ground? Baba. <laughs> oh, Baba. <laughs> oh, Baba. Do, do you keep your honey in your cabinets as well? Oh, Baba. <laughs> Baba. Oh, Baba. Okay, so we watched the Banshees of Inisherin the other day. And like we've been just talking in Irish accents the entire time. Winnie since the Pooh we watched- is English. What? Winnie the Pooh has an English accent. I know, but I'm just saying, like, we've been talking in an Irish accent since we saw it. Like, I'll just go up to Brie and I'll be like, I just don't feckin' like it no more. <laughs> I just don't feckin' like it anymore. Are we rowing? And- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we were rowing. Um, then, like, 
we um oh i want to i want to bring up a line alice she starts to find the others (laughs) and she's freaking out so before this when they're still playing monopoly i wrote down a line i want to get your opinion on it because i thought this was a weird line and i thought that it was of the time period and i often wonder why movies especially horror movies write these lines in there that are like specific to the time period so the girl's losing a monopoly and she goes i have more i have more bad luck than richard nixon and what a i was weird like thing to say weird i was like okay so kids that are watched teenagers that are watching this in 2023 are not gonna know what the hell you're talking about because watergate was like 40 years ago I I hate when horror movies like write lines like that that are so like topical at the time. Um, uh, what did Bride of Chucky did that? The line, what was the line in Bride of Chucky? He says something. He calls a guy getting the police officer pulls the guy driving to the prom over and says like, "You're in bad luck now, Christian Slater." Yeah, something like that. And I remember I was like. What does he mean by that? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. What did Christian Slater do in 1998 that we need to be aware of? Horror movies do that all the time. Anyway, continue on. And then we get this part where Alice starts to find everybody. She's freaking out. They're coming for her. Like, she's, like, running away. She's barricading doors. And she's just, like, really frightened. It's like this thing where your people are dying, but you don't know what the threat is, and you, you're waiting for someone to come in, come out. And she's, like, waiting for um, Steve to get back, and s- the car comes down the road, and she goes outside because she thinks it's going to be, like, someone, like, Steve is here. And it ends up being um, Mrs. Voorhees comes out, and she's a character we haven't met yet yeah and i was like what a weird i was like what a strange decision to immediately give away the killer right at this second and have it not be a surprise do you do you you like when movies do that when they kind of what do they call it deus ex machina it would be different if like (laughs) miss Voorhees was like a character in the movie already yes Uh, like it was like so with with scream scream does this but I, I we have to assume as the audience that we're already introduced to whoever the killer is. Where you know, this it's we, one of our cast members. We're here, we don't know who the killer is until and they this sho- they shoehorn it. Until in. this exact moment where this one random lady who shows up with like twenty minutes left of the movie. But I feel kind of like betrayed a little bit as an audience member when that stuff happens because it's like there's no way I could have guessed. Yeah. There's not one way I could have guessed because I didn't know that this character existed until this moment. So we have this. She's like, oh, don't, don't, I, I, like, I'm here. Don't worry. I'm not afraid of this, like, thing. Can I pause you for a second? And then she talks about, yeah, sure. And bring up um, our friend Meeks, who we've mentioned on the podcast, is texting me right now. Um, he found a vinyl that you might be interested in. Taylor Swift's Red, Taylor's version. Um, he asked if you if you want him to pick it up for you. How much is that? Fifty dollars. Are you willing to spend fifty dollars on a vinyl? He says it's got thirty songs. Some songs are quote vaulted edition. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Pick it up. 
Just pick it up? Yeah. You want me to pick it up? Yeah, pick it up. You're going to pay $50 for this. Yeah, pick it You're up. You're going to pay Meeks $50. Well, I'll or you're pay... you're going to pay me $50 and then I'll pay Meeks. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to text him. Let me do that right now. Everyone, you're seeing me purchase something right now in real time. Um, I'm texting him. Bree has requested if you can pick it up and will pay you back through venmo <laughs> we're doing business deals i'm only gonna give you 30 dollars because you owe me 20 that's fair <laughs> yeah it's 59 50 dollars um we'll see what he says anyway you don't want me to pay you the 30 well yeah um I'm waiting on his response because I want to make sure he didn't leave before we asked him to pick it up. How long ago was that text sent? Um, Two minutes ago. I'm (laughs) betting he didn't. I don't know where he's at right now. Anyway, uh, let's wrap this movie up because there's there can't be too much more to talk about. This is actually the most exciting part of this entire movie. So where did we leave off before Um, I interrupted you? Pamela Voorhees came in. She comes in and she says some gobbledygook about, um, oh, the camp counselors, they, my, the kid drowned. He, then they weren't paying attention and they, they had to die. And she keeps getting that, like, um, um, Norman Bates, like, kill, uh, she keeps saying, kill them all, mommy, kill them all, kill them all. Like she's being talked to by her son. Yeah. I was like, she talks to herself. I was like, oh, I'd be like, okay, weirdo. She talks about the boy who drowned. She was used to be, she was the cook here. That's how she knew about him. And then we find out this, this was my, it was my son, Jason. They should have been watching him. And she like goes after and tries to kill our final girl, Alice. Alice, though, picks up an axe and. No, it's a machete. Machete, whatever. And chops off her head in one foul swoop. And then she does like Betsy Palmer does the thing where like she grabs up at the because you know they this myth is it a myth that the body the, is still active a little the head bit? comes off you fall to the ground like there's no there's the, no reaching up after no, the head there's no looking yeah. <laughs> for where your head went it's just head gone well body because done. I have to imagine that you have no biologically you have no way of the, controlling now your, that the brain is I was gone. like the brain is the one that tells your body parts to move. Yeah. If the brain is gone, there's nothing that's telling your body to move. But there's that myth that when people were getting like beheaded in the guillotines that they were able to still like the brain was still kind of active and they were still able to see for like a couple seconds after the I have no, head I don't was know. separated from the body. I don't know. I've never been beheaded. I've so. never been beheaded either. And so then we get this like scene like Alice like gets into this boat <laughs> at the end and to goes out into the middle of the water for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then... Like a, it acts like a very happy ending. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it's very beautiful music playing in the background. Yeah, then and the end is like this deformed kid grabbing the boat, and then her waking up, and it being I, like a. I wish they didn't include the scene with her waking up. I think they should have ended it on that the kid. Yeah, that yeah. stinger. And she wakes up, and she's like in like a hospital or something. The about, movie goes on about five minutes longer yeah. than it should have, <laughs> and it's just like you're fine, you're okay now, like. And then it kind of does end on a happy ending. Yeah. Because they're like, what about the boy? What about Jason? They're like, who the hell's Jason? 
Like, this <laughs> lady was just crazy. Did you hear Steve Jobs died of Ligma? <laughs> Who the hell is Steve, Steve Jobs? Ligma Jobs. <laughs> um, yeah, and then that's the end of the movie. And it was it was not like okay, so this is not like the one that you want to watch. This is the one. Sometimes that- I look at. I can understand why this movie resonated with a lot of people because it was like the shock value of blood and boobs and these movies. Gr- it was gratuitous. All, like all the Friday Thirteenth movies are literally just blood and boobs. Yeah, I appreciate the sequels. I think more than I do this, this even though the sequels like have more boobs. they go down and down and down and then they go up again but then they go down even further than that and then it hits rock bottom when we get to like jason goes to hell <laughs> or even i don't know jason x we watched that recently like maybe last what, year space yeah it wasn't that bad i didn't think it was that bad was upon like a- reviewing jason x i was like i'm actually having fun watching jason x i just think it's the same way i thought about halloween resurrection where everyone's like pooping on it but I was like, you know, I actually had fun watching this. Whereas like in the Rob Zombie movies, like I did not have fun. <laughs> it's the, it is actually the opposite of fun. I, I hated my experience viewing it. Um, I think that there's a good way to make a Friday the 13th movie. And I think they, they, you started off on a really high note, right? With, with this movie. And it's like, how do you capitalize on that? Well, now we make Jason come back because we've already established this like little kind of connection, this little thread of mythos in <clears throat> in Friday the 13th. So now we can just build it off Jason. And then he, like, I love, I asked you this. We haven't had a Friday the 13th movie in 14 years, 15 years. How would you go about rebooting this franchise? Would you reboot it from the very start or would you pick up where something left off? How do you think you would do it? I would definitely do like a company buys the land by the camp. Okay. And like for some odd reason, they're like, let's build like some sort of like camp for kids how about oh i have an idea off the top of my head and i'm just spitballing here okay so you can tell me if my idea is trash a company buys the land and they develop an amusement park on top of it so you have jason Voorhees, and it's like the fun house but also jason Voorhees. i just think like it would be interesting because like is we have we're in the age of technology but the camp crystal lake is like right on like a it's in a dead zone for like self-service because it's so out of like out of the way and like the company how i would write it is like the company like puts like nice like luxury cabins out there you know what i mean like these luxury cabins like for people to stay like on like an airbnb so how do you because we've already had in if we're thinking about the franchise i remember i think it was um part six that they end up renaming the camp to try to avoid the bad connotations and the bad history with it do we do that or do we keep it as crystal lake it'd be crystal lake luxury like um cabins Mm -hmm. 
And do we keep Jason as like a survivalist in the woods or do we keep zombie Jason? We keep him as a zombie. He's the best as a zombie, zombie. isn't he? He's the <laughs> best zombie. as a zombie. I think we... I Okay, so your part seven is when Jason goes toe-to-toe with the girl with psychic abilities. I think we got to continue on from there. I think that's the point. I brought up to you an idea about a Friday the 13th found footage movie. But then as we were talking about it, I was like, maybe this isn't the best idea. Because like, how much could you really do with a found footage movie there? It's true. You need to kind of do Blair Witchy. But then found footage, you're so beholden to what's to the person that is controlling the camera that you don't get to see all of the intense stuff. So I must ask you this question, Anthony. After watching this movie, viewing this movie, how scary is it? Um, Am I thinking about how scary is it in my 2023 desensitized mindset or am I thinking of it in terms of being a kid or being a teenager and seeing this in 1980? I would say how you feel about it now. I know what I would give it. You go first. I'm going to give it a 3.2. I was thinking somewhere in that realm of scariness. Because I know like the the sequels. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the with sequels, the same. The sequels to come are scarier. Yes. Once we get Jason in, it gets scarier. Yeah. Especially zombie Jason. I was it like, gets scarier. Right now, he's unstoppable. it's an old lady. And it's <laughs> not a three, that scary. It's a 3.2. She's not that scary. When it was revealed that that's who the killer was, I was like, underwhelmed. Um, in the good scale, how good is it? Oh, I love this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. I love this movie, but it's a bad movie. I'm giving it a 7.6. <laughs> <coughs> On the good scale. Not the scary scale. Like you need we're, to- really, we're really like uh, strict here, huh? Like we really haven't given a lot of movies high I scary like, scores. I feel like well, there's a movie that we want to watch and it's avant-garde horror. It's going to be our next movie. It's we're a, watching it tonight. It's our next movie that we're going to watch and I think it's going to be scary. I think I'm going to be scared. Much like how Smile scared me. I feel like this. Right, we got to revisit Smile at some point. I too. feel like this would this one's tonight's going to scare so, me. Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to do Friday the 13th. Just We were going to do it last week or like the when it was friday when it was friday the 13th and then we lost track um but i i looked at it and i said man we haven't done a classic yet and he was like i want to do a classic we should do a classic instead of doing like all these modern more recent movies but our next movie um has been a movie that's was on my radar since we saw the preview for it in Disney, we went to go see Violent Night at Disney Springs when we went on our honeymoon, and we saw the preview for, it, and the preview looked absolutely horrifying. Like the preview, I it very rarely do I get affected by just the trailer of a movie. <coughs> the preview for this movie was, I just want it to be over, like I just want it to stop, and so I was like, okay, this movie's on my radar since this movie. That was given a limited theatrical release and is now available on Shudder to watch. It's called Skinamarink. And it is, uh, I told Bree this, it's been getting mixed reactions from the horror community of some people that are like, it's either people really love it or really hate it. And some people are like, I don't get it. I don't understand this movie. It's not for me. It's not part of my taste. And then some people are like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm, because interested of atmosphere. To see, I'm interested to see what it's like. Yeah. I was telling my students this as we were talking about movies. I'm like, 
and they've I, they sounded like they felt so bad for me. And here's what I said. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I said, I just want to feel something. <laughs> I was like, I'm so desensitized by horror these days that like nothing scares me. I just want to be scared. So we're going to put ourselves in the environment today because I heard environment plays like a big role in the, the effect that this movie could have. Um, you've got to be quiet, very little distraction in the dark watching this movie at night. And that's what we're going to do tonight. So... I look forward to it. I look forward to it. And that's going to be our next week's movie is uh, 2023's Skinamarink, um, which I'm sure is not that long. I hope not. Yeah. Um. Cool. Are we done? I think we are. Okay. This has been a fun one. <sighs> I hope I feel better tomorrow. Me too. Me too. Um, we're recording like the podcast. We're recording our next week's podcast tomorrow. So we might still be sick on on the recording and so if we sound bad no we're, we didn't we're coughing off key off key off can we can we cough on key e- uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that actually made me cough um all right all right why it's, don't we wrap it it's up it's been a good one we're gonna go relax maybe take a nap maybe take a nap yeah we got what's on the menu for tonight? Chicken nuggies. Dino nuggets it's Chicken dino nuggy night Ch- dino nuggies and mango salsa Actually, it's Pete Salta, not Mango. Okay, yeah. So we're going to go do that. Uh, What about our socials? Um, Our socials, I haven't done them yet because I'm lazy and a piece of shit. I was a piece of shit. No, I currently am (laughs) a piece of shit. I don't think people can change. (laughs) You, when you, so Brie, her uh, maid of, uh, not maid of, uh, bridesmaid. One of her bridesmaids just had twins recently. And I told Brie, I'm like, when you hold that baby, you got to think about, does the baby believe people can change Definitely baby will. realized that you used to be a piece of shit and you're not anymore and people can change i bet the baby does think people can change i'm worried that the baby thinks people can't change i'm excited to meet these babies anyway <laughs> yeah okay uh socials we're not up to date with them but you can always follow myself on twitter at gldtv1 uh you can shoot us an email for any uh, podcast or movie recommendations or podcast recommendations as i do have a long travel home from work and i do pop on podcasts pretty often and zone out on the uh, highway um at uh, review podcast one at gmail.com we still have the review podcast kind of gmail going and it'll probably stick um we'll say the review podcast network <laughs> so that when we get our spinoff talking bread get out of here <laughs> um Brie did make bread. I so did. We, we it was could, really we good. We could have talking bread. I really, I had, I made a <coughs> loaf of bread and I ate it all week long. I made sandwiches all week with my bread. Yeah. It was really um, good. I forgot where my, I, what was, what was I saying? Uh, I'm in like a sick delusional I know. I just right like now. need this podcast to be over my head hurts. Ah. Maybe that'll put us in a good mindset for the movie tonight too. Just being in this weird, sick, delusional haze. I know. Like I'm like, I want to sleep. Is it, would we say lavender haze? No, oh. I think this is purple. Purple haze purple oh, in my brain. Rain. <laughs> uh, where can we follow you? Where you can, can we find you? Um, you can't find me. I'll find you. <laughs> and then everyone will look at you and be like, oh, it's you. Oh, it's you. I, I didn't see you there. Didn't see you there. <laughs> First person view. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. Um, 
next week we'll be back with Skinnamarink 2023 Skinnamarink. So join us again next week on the How Scary Is It podcast and for us here on the Review Podcast Network. This is How Scary Is It. My name is Anthony. And I'm Bree. And this has been our podcast. Thank you for watching and listening. Goodbye. Bye.